Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Liv Constantine is the pen name of sisters Lynn Constantine and Valerie Constantine. Together, they are the best-selling author of the Reese Witherspoon book club pick, The Last Mrs. Parrish, as well as The Last Time I Saw You, The Wife Stalker, and The Stranger in the Mirror. Their critically acclaimed books have been praised by USA Today, The Sunday Times, People Magazine, and Good Morning America, among many others. Lynn and Valerie are national and international best-selling authors, and their books have been translated into 28 languages, are available in 33 countries, and are in development for both television and film. We did this, by the way, as an Instagram Live. Lynn is a former marketing executive with a master's degree in business from Johns Hopkins University. She has explored coral reefs all over the world, sunken wrecks in the South Pacific, and fallen in love with angelfish in the Caribbean. You just never know what you're going to get in someone's bio. When Lynn's not writing, you can find her curled up with her Labrador and Golden Retrievers, reading a good book, or walking the beach, thinking up devious plans for her characters. Lynn also writes the Jack Logan series under the pen name Elsie Shaw. To learn more about her other books, visit elsieshawauthor.com or connect with her on Instagram or Twitter at elsieshawauthor. And finally, Lynn is a board member of the International Thriller Writers. Valerie has always loved books and spent many nights reading by the light of her bedside lamp until 3 a.m. She lives with her husband and their brilliant Cavalier King Charles babies, Zorba and Da Vinci. 
Earlier in her career, she served as White House assistant in the president's scheduling and advance office, planning presidential trips and travel, and has visited over 40 foreign countries. She has a degree in English literature. When she's not writing, you won't find her, as she and her husband will be traveling to some faraway destination. Oh, okay. Hi, good morning. How are good you? Good morning. I'm so delighted this worked. I would just, I almost gave up on you, but I was like, that's so <laughs> unlike them not to show up. What am I doing? No. <laughs> right. Um, Last time we were at, actually at your beautiful apartment. I know. That was so right. fun. Before yeah. the pandemic, right? It was like a week or two before. A week before. Is yeah. that when it was? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember my husband drove us because we were afraid to be on the train, remember? Oh, <laughs> that's right. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm glad this all worked out and that yes. we can, like, chit-chat about your new book, yes. which I've been talking about for 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, Right. Oh. <laughs> I wanted to know about it, but I read your bios in the beginning. For anyone just joining, we're talking about The Stranger in the Mirror by Liv Constantine. They're the co-authors of The Last Time I Saw You and The Wife Stalker as well. And now The Stranger in the Mirror. Okay, so I was kind of summarizing what this was about before, but if you want to take it over and maybe something that I didn't say or what people should know about this book. And also, like, how did you come up with the idea for this? Is this someone's worst nightmare? I feel like this would be my worst <laughs> nightmare is like right. forgetting about my family. Exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah, we were together in Sharjah at a book festival a couple years ago. We had 10 days together. And, you know, we don't normally get that kind of time because we're living in different cities. And we had finished another book and we were having to go back and do a lot of revisions and we were not excited about it. So we said, you know, why don't we just start over? Let's think about something that we really could get into. And we liked the idea of, of of this woman with amnesia, with no memory, because we knew there was just so much we could do with it. I'm really excited about the kind of research that that would entail. And we're delving into the mind, into memory and, and perception. So that's kind of where the seed was born. We came home and we both got very, you know, ordered our books and talked to doctors and watched videos. And then we began writing The Stranger in the Mirror. And it was a little, it's a little different from what we've done before. I mean, it's still a psychological thriller, but clearly having a protagonist who doesn't know herself presented a bit of a challenge for us. And what we really focused on initially was her, her struggle and what that must be like when you're trying to figure out who you are. How do you figure out what kind of a person you are when you don't know anything that you've done, you know, any, any kind of relationships that you've had and, you know, where, where do you go from there? So that was, you know, that's sort of the genesis of the story about this woman, Addison. And all she does know is that she has had trauma because she's got scars on her arms that prove she had a failed suicide attempt. So she doesn't know, you know, why did she do that? And she's in starting a new life with this wonderful young man and a family. But can she, you know, is she really deserving to start a new life? Because she doesn't know whether she's done something bad or something bad has been done to her. So that's pretty much her struggle. And then I'll let Valerie talk about the other voice in the book, which is Julian. Julian. So here is Addison at the very beginning of the book, which is not her real name. It's a name that she has taken on because as Lynn said, she doesn't know who she is. And she's engaged, ready to be married to this wonderful guy that she's in love with, but thinking, how can he really love me? I don't know who I am. How can he really know the real person and just having lots of doubts about what do I have family out there is somebody looking for me how did I get here what happened and then a few hundred miles away in Boston is Julian and he is sitting with his little seven-year-old daughter talking about the day two years ago that his wife 
disappeared. And a little girl saying to her daddy, is mommy ever coming home? And why? Mommy must not love us. Why would she have left us? And he's, after two years, almost ready to give up uh, the idea of finding her. Is she she dead? Is she just disappeared without a trace? And their paths converge. And that is the rest of the story. Wow. I thought it was so heartbreaking how the daughter wanted to get an American Girl doll to like have it look like her and her mom. Oh my gosh. Like a little, like just like you or whatever. Right. Right. Sad. And that they have to sort of hold on to these memories of her, of the mom, of the rare pictures of, you know, all of that stuff because they miss her so much. And it sounded like, you know, the dad just, Julian did not want to give up. Like he wasn't prepared. He just had this sense inside him that she could not be dead, that there, she must be there somewhere. And I found myself wondering like, come on, like there must be a way, like there must be a way he could have found her. Like, why didn't she like, you know, more like on Addison's behalf, like, why didn't she post herself? And why, you know, why didn't she like (laughs) go to the news or like, you know, whatever. But of course that's not what she wanted to do. You know, she didn't even want to go to the hospital. So she was afraid. Yeah. Because who, who am I? Am, Am I going to find out that I'm something that I don't want to be, or I did something that and that I feel horrible about doing, having done. So, yeah. Yikes. It was interesting. We talked, we not talked to, but we read some blogs and some essays from people who really suffer, who suffer from amnesia. And just to hear the agonizing things that, that they go through, not knowing, you know, every, every day, people who have never really regained their memories. And what a struggle that is. You just don't realize, you know, we, we feel like we can imagine what that would be like, but it is only that, just imagining it. But to really live it is just pretty difficult. Uh, it's, it's an awful thing. Um, so sometimes, certain- sometimes I feel like I have amnesia because I can't, I can't, there are like whole periods in my life that now I can't even remember that well. I remember like when someone <clears throat> tells me a story, it often comes back, but not always. Like my, my friend just before this was like, hey, remember that time when we were like, hanging out in East Hampton town. And we were like, nothing ever happens to us. And life is so boring. And now look at how crazy our lives are. And like, I was like, no, I, she's like, no. remember that happened. No. And then like two seconds later, like someone fell and an ambulance came and I was like, that does not even sound familiar to me. I know. That happens to me too all the time. I know it's scary. Yeah. Isn't it? Scary. But, yeah. But yeah. It's one of the things, I mean, memory is very fickle and can be and totally different. And even if you do remember something, it can, you can remember it differently from the person that you're talking to. It's like, no, wait, it didn't happen that way. This is how it happened. So it's something that you really can fool around with when you're writing. Yes. And I love how you guys had short chapters, alternating perspectives. So you're constantly like keeping the, like the pacing was so good. Like you just kept, it was, it just made it easily to easy to fly through. Cause you want to just like know what's happening next. And I love this mother-in-law character and her like skillful manipulation. And I feel like someone, you know, must have this in their lives or like, I don't know, maybe it's just a trope of the mother-in-law, but it was like so perfect with the, how she really inserts herself. And, you know, even from just the wedding planning, like how she walked in and as soon as she walked out, like she had a whole nother thing going. So <laughs> We loved Blythe. Yes, we loved Blythe. I think she became one of our favorite characters as well. And, you know, it was interesting, too, because typically, I guess, too, as, you know, as moms, and as I feel like for myself, when I was a younger writer, 
I would more relate to, you know, to the Addisons and the, you know, the younger character, but now having children that are in their twenties and I can, I can understand that. Like if all of a sudden my son brought this woman, this girl home with no memory, I mean, I, what would I do? And I could really relate to her not wanting to alienate him or Addison, but by the same, at the same time, being very concerned about what's in her past or what if all of a sudden she remembers everything and leaves and and breaks my son's heart. So she had a, you know, and that's such a close family too. She had a really fine line to walk in being careful. And then of course the husband's like, Oh, everything will be fine. You know, don't worry about it. It's all good. She's like, no, you can't just leave it like that. Right. I mean, I feel like I would be really nervous to be with someone who didn't remember who they were. Like, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, you're waiting for the right to waltz to waltz back in. Yeah, yeah, crazy. You know that she tried to harm herself with the scars on her arms, and you wonder, yeah, what what is what kind of trauma is in her? And also, just that that feeling of like loss, really, that Julian is feeling, and that, but that right because it's like he's mourning the loss of her in his life, and yet he can't put it to bed. It's like. I don't know. There's, I was doing all this research or not research, but talking to somebody all about how the trauma specific to like a disappearance, right? Cause that does happen mm-hmm. um, often and how there's just no sense of closure and what that does to you. And, you know, there are just so many ways, I guess, to have horrible things happen and, you know, be in pain <laughs> about. So, right. you know. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So how did you guys go about writing this together? What did you do your normal, like what is your normal strategy of co-writing and how did you, was this one any different? Was it written during the pandemic? Like what was that all about? And well, it was, I think, I think the first draft had already been written before the pandemic hit. So we were in revisions and heavy edits, which was, which was a good thing because I don't know that we would have had the energy or, you know, presence of mind to come up with something completely new during such a dark time. But we we did write this the, the way we now, our writing process has evolved is that after we do all of our brainstorming and development, we write every day 
individual scenes, email them to each other, and then talk in the afternoon and give each other feedback. And we have now reached a point, too, where I'll write half of a chapter and send it to Valerie and say, okay, I don't know what else to do, finish this, and she'll do the same with me. So by the time we've gone through the book and gone through two or three rounds of editing, there could be one sentence really that I wrote half and Valerie wrote the other half. And we forget, you know, we, we like to take credit for those lines that really stick out. We're like, yeah, I wrote that. But we don't really know <laughs> who wrote what. Yeah. But wow. it did help say that it did help, as Lynn said, that, that there was something already started uh, when the pandemic became, you know, something that we knew was going to be long term. And talking to a lot of other writers, there were some who said, I just can't, I couldn't write. I can't write during this time. And there were even, I, and I felt like a lot of people were saying I, that, that they couldn't read, that they, it was really difficult to concentrate. It was just such a time of mourning, I think, and sadness and fear that it affected lives in, in such, well, as I mean, you know, in just yeah. terrible, terrible ways. And yet, interestingly, for, on the book front, at least, you know, sales were up. I just got some statistic yesterday, which, of course, now I'm going to forget. But sales were way up in terms of, of books, even though all the stores were closed, right? Like 67% of sales came from online for that whole year. And, you know, so people were buying books. <laughs> That's for sure. So what are you working on now? Well, we're in hopefully final revisions of book number five, which is a political, not a political thriller, but it takes place in Washington, D.C., in the political arena and centers around a senator and his new wife, who have just both emerged from a terrible tragedy that has brought them together. So, of course, you know, lots of uh, hopefully lots of intrigue and lots of backstabbing and some interesting terrible characters, but some nice characters as well. The and then we, also, we have an Audible original coming out in the, in the next few months that we're finalizing called Misconception mm. about a woman who is trying to prove that her ex-husband's new wife has a horrible secret that she's hiding. So that was, that was fun. That was written during the pandemic as well. So what happened to your childhood here to make you guys <laughs> so obsessed with all this terrible stuff? Like, where is this all coming from? Well, you know, we're Greek, right? We're Greek. So, you know, it probably goes back to <laughs> and our grandmother and stories. And I, I guess, you know, we spent a lot of time growing up around this, a small kitchen table late into the night with our grandmother, our mother and our aunt. And they would just love to tell different stories. And there were, I mean, not that they were murder or dark, but I guess there was some of that. <laughs> a lot of drama. And there was always Greek for sure. You know, was, the yeah. country and what happened in to our grandmother in Greece. And yeah, it was, she told wonderful stories. What happened? What happened to your grandmother in Greece? Well, you know, she was from a small island in Greece. And so, so one of the stories that we always loved hearing about was that she was in love with a man from a, a different island. And he was considered, a, you know, well, in, the word in Greek is stranger, Xandi. He was a foreigner because he was from a different island, even though he was Greek. And, it, you know, it was such a different sort of life. And she was forbidden from marrying this man. And she did wind up marrying somebody from her island who she loved and adored. He died very, he was 40 when he died. Oh. And she was here in America, having come, you know, right after World War One, with four children, four young children, and she was a widow. And it was in the in 1930, in the midst of the Depression. Years, years later, I guess in the 60s, she went back to Greece for the first time 
which is a whole nother thing about these parents who let their children go knowing they would probably never see them again, never meet their grandchildren. There were no, I mean, forget a telephone call, cables or letters took months. It's just astounding that the, what parents that they gave freedom to their children to just really disappear from their lives. But anyway, she went back to Greece in the late sixties and she met the man again that she had been in love with. Of course he was married and, but the, the idea that here was this man who lived all those years and her husband died so young, not that, I mean, as I said, she was in love with her husband, but it was sort of a tragic story, you know, too. That what she had gone through and raising her children by herself in a foreign country. But anyway, lots of interesting stories from the old country. This reminds me, I should not be complaining so much about raising my own four kids here. <laughs> I know. Right, with like, you know, anyway, I just... It's just so many things. So many things. Wow. Okay, well, anything else you want to tell us about The Stranger in the Mirror and how great it is and how people should go out and get it. And, you know, this fabulous paced thriller. And I was saying earlier before you got on, like, it might be an untraditional wedding gift for those who are engaged. But since there is some of that, you know, you can always to get people their minds off the wedding. There are lots of summer weddings. Oh, that's so. true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I've had a few people, you know, that'll tell me that, especially with psychological thrillers, they like to read the ending and then kind of go and figure out, like deconstruct that way. And I will say that with this book, don't do that because you will be very confused. So this is, if you are, anybody out there is one of those people who goes to the last page, you know, don't, don't, because you'll, you have no idea what's going on. I think, I mean, when we were writing it, there were even times we were confused and Valerie, yes. one of us would do something we'd be like, no, no, that was this that happened here. You can't because of this, you know, the time timeline that changes in the book as well as the point of view. So it, wow. it was, I don't know. It was a lot of fun. I think it's fast becoming, I'm not going to say my favorite, but one of my favorites of our books so far. And just, you know, appreciate your having us on here. And again, I'm so sorry that you had to go and, you no, know, talk. It's okay. <laughs> and uh, Julie, Julie in the comments here is saying she can hardly put it down. And several other people were commenting that they were going to get it right, right then. So oh, thank um, you. hopefully this will, you know, and I'll post this on the feed and people can watch me embarrass myself for 15 oh. minutes. And, uh, oh. and then we can get to your... <laughs> Oh my gosh. You got to put us in like a, you know, a penalty box or something. With no, the- <laughs> no. It happens all the time. I should just stop scheduling. These- well, I shouldn't say anything on, on Instagram. No, no. Anyway. It's, I, I've got to, f- I'm such a, you know, as much as I'm good on social media, sometimes with technology, you know what I mean? And it's I, I, just, guess, yeah. I, I can't, I it's very stressful, but anyway, it was yeah. great to chat with both of you. You too, uh, Sorry, we're not in person again this time, but hope to reconnect in person soon. And in Absolutely. Meantime, enjoy the launch of The Stranger in the Mirror. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.